Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, the San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got Evan Klosky. What up? And Tom Petrini. How's it going, guys? Guys, I've got the coffee here. I'm locked and loaded and ready to go. How are you guys doing? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling like a champion, buddy. Uh, <laughs> not my mug. Girlfriend's mug. You're not a champion charger is what you're saying. Definitely not. Uh, I like to think I could compete in like some, uh, I I said the other day, I was like, I could be like a good flag football, like adult league player. And I was like, I live in Texas. I've never played anything higher than like child's league flag football. Uh, I I feel like Tom would dominate in the Red Rover, Red Rover league. Ooh, there you go. I, I saw a really nasty stiff arm in a flag football league, and I was like, is that allowed? And they were like, yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Yeah, I, I did some gardening this weekend, and I learned that I cannot play any more sports. Like, I'm 31. My sporting is, age is beyond. Is it like when you, get a, when you get a house, do you automatically become a garden guy? You have to learn how to build garden beds uh, within your first three years of owning a home. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, useless. It's just part of the, part of the thing. I think they take Got the it. home away from you if you don't pick up that skill. So. Interesting. Guys. I'm trying last- to figure out garden guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, last time we spoke, uh, it was hours before the trade deadline ended. And uh, we were kind of all on the same page that, for the most part, the Spurs were going to stand pat. That's kind of what happened. There were small splashes. Of course, they bought out Aldridge after the deadline. They made one deal with the Golden State Warriors, sending Katie Lillane's, um, I guess, the rights to Katie Lillane uh, to the Warriors for Marquise, Chris, and Cash. Uh, Chris, of course, was already waived by the team in order to make room for Gorgie Dang, who would, I guess, be the, the, the land of the, the, the deadline for, for this team, for this offseason, um, would be the land of this transaction, the transaction period for this team right now. Guys, what do you think of the Gorgie Dang move? I, I, Let me get I his name cool. right. Let me get his name right. It's yeah. Did you go, did you Google how to say his name? You know, I Googled it and I found a few videos. I think uh, let's let's avoid one of the. We'll have to post this on Twitter. There's a there's one video specifically. Um, maybe it's a Minnesota accent. I'm not sure, but it just butchers the the name there. Uh, I, should I play it, guys? Yeah, I think you should. Okay. I, I think you have to. Gorgeline dying. Gorgeline dying. So that's not how you pronounce Gorgie Jinks? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I believe it is Gorgie Jang. DJ Jang. It's like, that, uh, that I, I looked it up, it's J-Y-E-N-G. Gorgie Jang. I think I'm going to get this faster than I got Shamanich. Uh, when, we got, when we drafted Luca, I was saying Samanich for about a week. Uh, everyone yeah. still is. It's like yeah. uh, Gonzaga and Gonzaga. It's, you know, it's just going to take a long time. I still, I still don't know that one, but definitely <laughs> more important with people. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're yeah, yeah, so, the team. I mean, uh, this, is a, this was a great move, right? Um, you know, first off, shout out to Austin Day. Uh, finally, his reign is the, is the last midseason deal for the Spurs. It's now over. Um, Chris, welcome to the club uh, for four or five days, that was. And, um, but, look, Jang, was, uh, he, was, he was highly coveted in the buyout market. A lot of teams are after him. And not that he's an all-star by any means, but the one thing that this team desperately needs, especially offensively, is they, they need that spacer. They need, they need a big who can hang out on the perimeter, open up the lane so that guys like, you know, DeMar, Keldon, 
DeJounte. I mean, just half of this team attacks the basket aggressively. So you need that spacer to come out, clear the paint. And that was something that we talked about ad nauseum about LaMarcus. Like, hey, his defense isn't great, but what LaMarcus does for this offense is also great. So the problem is still probably a net negative, but he definitely makes the offense better. Having said that, Jang, at least um, as a rim protector, is a, a bit more helpful than what LaMarcus can provide these days. So not only you can get the spacer offensively, who can, who, by the way, is, is shooting the lights out of the ball from deep, uh, probably not sustainable, but, but still, I mean, as long as, as long as he can hang around uh, 40%, that would, that would be awesome. Um, He's at 48% right now on about as many threes per game as LaMarcus was attempting. And like, half of his shots almost come from that area of the floor. Yeah, so, so, so that's, that's great. And, and he won't be a complete liability on the other end. So I think when he entered the buyout market, the thing that was sexy about San Antonio is that the Spurs have a need for him and that he's going to get minutes, he's going to play, and he's going to work himself into that rotation. And it just means that you're probably going to see less of Drew Eubanks. And I, I, love, I love Drew. But again, as I said before, he's kind of that utility player. You put him in when there's an injury. You put him in for a five to ten minute stretch if there are too many fouls on one of your big guys. He goes in there. He does the job, and he does it pretty well. But when you play him more minutes, more of his weaknesses get exposed, and it's not as beneficial. So uh, all around, uh, a great snag by the Spurs, and also it makes total sense for Jang because – He's going to get playing time with San Antonio, and, and he's going to be part of the main rotation minutes. Yeah, so- I, I completely agree that he's going to be a, a key guy here. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, the list of other teams that were interested, right? It, not Scrubs. It was like the Suns, yeah. the Nets, uh, both of which have superstars whose face Gorgie Jang has gotten in, in mm-hmm. Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker. Uh I don't think that's why he didn't go to those places. Uh, but the Sixers were also interested, the Knicks apparently. Um, so, so there was a lot of interest for him. Um, and it's because he brings, as a backup big man, more than Aldridge at this point. Um, and uh, Bobby Marks, ESPN, argued uh, he would have taken him in L.A. over Andre Drummond. That's how much he likes what he brings on both ends of the floor and how valuable spacing is, right? Um, We talk about it all the time, especially with this group of young guys. Evan, you hit it. Uh, They love driving. They love uh, attacking the rim. And one that's easier when you have a big man who can set good screens, space the floor reliably. Two, uh, sets you up for assists if, you know, you draw a double team. Um, and we've seen DeJounte's growth in that area. We've seen DeMar's growth in that area, continued growth in that area. Um, And I I think the biggest thing was, all right, it became clear that Aldridge wasn't the the defensive center, right? That he couldn't start anymore. So you start Jakob Pertl. Great for Jakob Pertl, great for the defense in that starting unit, but the the trade-off is the bench unit now is – anchored by Drew Eubanks, who has put in a ton of effort. I mean, to get to where he is on a guaranteed contract, 
after being undrafted, undersized, doesn't really space the floor except for emergencies, right? He's two for two now from three in his career. Shout out Drew Eubanks. Um, but I don't think he's ever going to be a key rotation player on a contending team, you know? Um, and Gorgie Jane could be that. Um, and I'm not saying that the addition makes that makes the Spurs that, but it certainly raises both their floor and their ceiling uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, and if the question is, did they get better after the deadline? Uh, the answer is yes, because LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't coming back. But if the question is, is he an upgrade over Aldridge? You know, there are people saying, oh, are, are you really saying that adding a career backup over a, a seven-time All-Star with like 21,000 points in his career is, is an upgrade? And it's like, well, it depends what you're making. Like, if you're making a meme that's like, all this to beat this, <laughs> then you want Aldridge, probably. But, like, if you're trying to build a basketball team in the year 2021, probably go with Jeng. So uh, I, I think a lot of people around the league have already realized this as, like, a, oh, damn, the Spurs did that kind of move. Um and it, it makes them a lot more dangerous. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see once he gets up to speed with this team, how they look with their, you know, fully realized roster for the rest of the year. Uh, it really was an exercise in patience, I think, uh, from, from our perspective, from the Spurs fans' perspectives as well. You know, just remember that this front office knows what they're doing. Uh, it may seem like in the moment they let the trade deadline pass by making a, a minor move. What was, the, what was the reason they brought Chris in? You know, he was injured for the season. You know, he, they got cash and considerations for him. They were able to waive him to create the space, and the cash kept the Spurs under the luxury tax and, and gave them the ability to sign Jang without, without spending too much, without hop, getting into that area. You know, and the, the Holtz obviously want to stay under the luxury tax. It's a, a heavy price to pay if you're not uh, one of the main contenders in the leagues. Um, I, I think you guys both did something interesting there in talking about Jang, and it'll be interesting to see how this evolves uh, with this time in the Spurs. I mean, it's, it's going to be really hard not to make a direct comparison to Aldridge uh, with the move. You know, he'll all be, always kind of be in that light because that's the guy. He, Aldridge was the, the, the shadow over the season, you know? The Aldridge question, what do we do with him? You know, is he going to be able to transition? And then when the transition didn't seem like it was there, you know, he made the effort to do that, but his, his legs never really got under him. He never seemed healthy. He seemed a little, feeling his age a little bit more this season. It was, well, what do they do from this point on? Um, I thought in the Bulls game uh, the other night, it really felt like the, the Spurs were happy to be out from under that shadow. Uh, sure, Aldridge hasn't been with this team for a month, but to kind of just close the page on that book, you know, that, 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 that question isn't there. They're able to move on and, and be a fresh new team. Obviously, it didn't, didn't show up last night against the Kings, but we'll talk about that game later. Uh, it'll be interesting what Jang brings to this team and also just to see what this move means for the long term, you know. I don't know if terms of the contract have been made available. Last time I checked, it wasn't really sure if this was one year. So uh, from, from what I've seen about the, the money moves and stuff so far, Jang's deal, as I understand, is part of the middle-level exception. This is from Bobby Marks. Part of the middle-level exception for a million dollars for the rest of the year. Um, and uh, as, as far as the money moves go, like – the, they apparently brought, reportedly brought back uh, about $1.2 million with the Chris deal. Mm-hmm. Why did the Warriors do that? Because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. They were like, if we, if we have to pay this guy, we got to pay a whole bunch more because we have to pay this guy. So why don't you take him? We'll give you money. You can pay him with that. Uh, 
do do whatever with that. Just you know, have fun. And and the Spurs traded a guy who's never played in the NBA before uh, after being a second round pick in like 2015. So it was purely a financial transaction for the Warriors. And then after cutting Chris, he's still going to have an opportunity to uh, rehab in San Antonio if that's you know what what he and the team want to do. Um, you know, former lottery pick. So basically, at the deadline, oh, and Gorgie Jang. Uh, was owed like seventeen million dollars for this year, and gave back like seven hundred thousand dollars of that to Minnesota. While the Spurs were able to recoup over seven million dollars from Lamarcus Aldridge, reportedly. Yeah. So the Spurs were able to save a bunch of money, stay under the luxury tax, and functionally add Gorgie Jang, lose Lamarcus Aldridge, and get the opportunity to rehab a guy who you know eighth pick in the 2016 draft, right? Former teammate of uh, DeJounte Murray in college. And they're still close. If you follow them on social media, you know, DeJounte and Marquise Krish pop up all the time in each other's Instagram, not all the time, but they make appearances in their social media feeds and Instagram stories and things like that. So, yeah. And and I want to just say, you got to remember, you know, what it's great that LaMarcus gave a ton of money back. You got to remember that, you know, in that scenario, the Spurs wanted LaMarcus in the backup rotational role, right? It wasn't in their plans to just say goodbye to LaMarcus. LaMarcus wanted to leave. He didn't like the role. So there was a need for a compromise. And, and that, you know, I mean, LaMarcus definitely was generous with the amount of money he gave back. But I can understand the Spurs being like, look, if you want out, you got to give us, uh, you know, pretty much what, what your game checks would be the rest of the way because this isn't a move that we want. This is what you want. And we'll meet you there. We'll give you what you want. But, you know, you're going to have to give us something as opposed to, like, Jang, who was just not getting minutes, right? So, he, he, I mean, he was like, I'm not doing you any favors. You're not playing me. So, totally different um, realm if you're wondering, like, why one person is not giving back much and why the other person is. That's the context. As far as the deadline stuff and bringing up, you know, uh, Tom brought up, like, a second-round pick who never played in the NBA in, in a random deal. But – he was actually the first professional basketball player I interviewed when I was like first getting in the game. I came down here to Austin, went to an Austin Spurs game and interviewed Caddy Lalane and like UMass guy. So we, we talked about Boston uh, and like I of, of all the trade deadline deals that I was thinking the Spurs could make Caddy Lalane for Marquise Chris and cash considerations was not even like that thought had never materialized in any person's brain until it got tweeted like yeah. 10 minutes after the deadline. Like, I don't like, even think people in the Warriors or Spurs organizations formulated the thought. It was just a thing that like kind of happened. It was like Spurs trade. What? What? The? <laughs> um, but you know, P- the number one thing that I heard is like, Oh, you didn't get anything for these guys. Ah, tra- you know, get something. Trade Rudy for what? You know, and people go like, "I'll just take some second rounders." And I, I always love this thing. Like, look, the Spurs are a phenomenal organization. All right, they do well with draft picks. Okay, I get it. They do well with first round draft picks and have hit home runs in the second round. All right. Now, you have to understand that predominantly, not always predominantly second round picks don't amount to much in the NBA. All right. So you can give me examples of second round picks who have amounted to something. And I'm going to say, of course, not every second round pick stinks or doesn't make the NBA. 
Having said that, if you were to break it down to percentages, you would be in the heavy minority finding guys who, who emerge as significant role players in the second round. For the Spurs organization by themselves, you have to go back more than 10 years. Dewan Blair is probably the last second-round pick who has made a significant impact on the team, all right? We're, we're hoping that Trey Jones could maybe break that streak, but the jury's obviously still out. So um, Dewan Blair... And then you look back at some other guys like Drogic, uh, Scola, guys that never played for the Spurs. But you're going back now to a time where the Spurs were significantly ahead of international like, talent and, and, and evaluating international talent than others. Like you want to bring up Manu Ginobili? Back then, the Spurs tapped into a market that nobody else knew of. So it's a totally different game now. They're not sneaking up on – like. International prospects are not sneaking up on anybody. You know, people are still trying to, to find gems out there, and I get it, but, but it's a totally different ball game. So even beyond that, even when you get past Dewan Blair, you're now looking at a bunch of second-round picks who were international guys who the Spurs had a leg up on other organizations to find. So trading, some, like trading Rudy Gay for second-round picks doesn't mean anything to the organization. they rather just have Rudy – finish the year because he provides more of an impact than what that second round pick is going to get them most likely. Okay. I can't say with hundred percent certainty, but most likely it's going to mean diddly poo. So I don't know, like I, I can't beat that drum more enough. And for all the other fans saying, well, we should have traded LaMarcus last year. Okay. If we want to be hindsight 2020, I get it. But you have to remember that LaMarcus started shooting three pointers, something he never did before. There was a lot of optimism about him spacing the floor, how he fits. There still would be that optimism, but his legs completely gave out defensively. He became way more of a liability than I think any of us ever thought on the defensive side of the ball. His offensive skill set is there. It's still a great, like, he's still going to, like, him going to the Nets is ridiculous with what the offense is going to be. But the Nets are still going to give up tons of points. But the Nets are going to be able to outscore you. It's different. The Spurs can't do that with LaMarcus or without – like, it just doesn't matter. The, you know, when you have three superstars on that team, you can sustain the bad defense that's going to come with LaMarcus Aldridge because him as a fourth option is phenomenal. I mean, you know, he can do whatever he wants, and it seems like the Nets are going to let him play down low and do things that he wants to do. You know, Spurs, that's not their way anymore, and they're adapting. So, you know, I, I just – I'm sick and tired of hearing people – well, the Spurs didn't get anything for these guys. The front office is dumb, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's not that simple. And playing the hindsight game, there are so many flaws with that. I can poke holes in all of your arguments. So, you know, I, I still trust the front office. I still believe in what they're doing. And I don't think this team needs to give up guys for pennies on the dollar. You know, for good or for bad, that's the way they operate. They're consistent. You, you said a couple of things about uh, LaMarcus there that uh, reminded me of stuff that, like, I mean, we've all been saying this for a while, uh, but stuff that I, I like, wrote and, and put on Ken's Five, like, weeks and months ago, or I guess in one case a day ago. Uh, but back when it was, uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is leaving, I was like, you know, he could go to a contender who needs, you know, a floor-spacing big man who can, you know, won't be expected to pr protect the rim in any way, uh, but can, you know, provide buckets. So not the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, 
and I'm laughing at that now because uh, it's pretty funny. Um, but on the Nets, like, I still think that Joe Harris and Nick Claxton are their fourth and fifth best players. Uh, and, you know, the combined, whatever it is, 14 all-star game appearances between Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and LaMarcus Aldridge is great to put in the wall. It's great to put it in the meme. But, like, you know, they're not going to be all-stars ever again. Yeah, Blake Griffin kind of spoke to that, you know, and, and the reaction that people had seeing him on the nets, like, oh, he was right. He was, he looked terrible. He was so bad in the Pistons and he, I guess he was faking it or taking it like, you know, like, and now he looks great on the nets. He's like, well, I can't be all-star Blake Griffin for the nets and be this terrible guy from the Pistons. Like I'm just Blake Griffin. I think Spurs fans are going to have that same realization. We, we bashed Aldridge a few times down the season for, for what he was on defense. We're going to see headlines um, about how good he is for the nets. How the resurgent LaMarcus Aldridge, he hit 80% of his, you know, fadeaway two pointers for, for the nets uh, in, in his, in his first game with the team. Just, just be ready to see that. I think. And, and, and my thing is, I'll always say this, like, LaMarcus Aldridge, this year with the Spurs, was still an offensive threat. He was. Nobody ever doubted the ability to get buckets for LaMarcus. Sure, there's some nights where it's not necessarily clicking, and that's the problem, right? LaMarcus, when he was playing, was a significant part of the offense, all right? He was the number two option, I think, uh, you know, next to DeMar. And when you make LaMarcus that big of a, of a focus, that's a bit of a problem. You're leaning on him much more. I don't think LaMarcus is as consistent offensively as he once was. Well, that doesn't mean he still can't drop a 50-burger on somebody when he has one of those days where he just doesn't miss, you know? And I'm sure we're going we're gonna to see one of those games. He's going to have one of those games where he pops off for like 35, 40 points. Um, but the, the, the difference being is when you're surrounded by Harden and Durant and Kyrie, LaMarcus can stink and, not, and nobody's ever going to bat an eyelash. He's going to be I, able I to think I, I don't think – I don't think he's going to hit 35 or 40. I, I don't think he's going to be able to play the minutes necessary to do that. Well, one, I'll, one time that they, they rest I, everybody. He starts a game. Maybe, maybe I, I, I don't see it happening. The nets are going to rest people. He's going to get minutes. They are. I don't know. I'm not saying the playoffs is going to do it. I'll, I'll put it right now. Uh, 35 or more is going to happen once from a Marcus Aldridge. This, the rest of the season. Mm. All right, we'll, we'll have to decide on a wager by the end of the episode. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's my prediction. But, um, you know, again, like Blake Griffin, when he's on the Pistons, he's the sole focus point. You know, now he's well, on the I, One thing I got to say about Blake Griffin, though, right? Like, he was, he was right that people were dumb for being like, you know, oh, he's washed, and then the, the Nets get him, and that's unfair. That, that line of thinking is dumb. If, if, you, if you saw... Blake Griffin play in Detroit. It was like, if you have you ever seen a Pegasus, right? I haven't seen a Pegasus, but you ever seen a Pegasus without wings? You have, you have, Evan. It's a horse. They're all over the place. There's nothing special about him. That's what Blake Griffin looked like. He was, you know, he's this tremendous flying freak, and then he can't fly anymore, right? He didn't dunk for a year. Yeah. And then they're playing in a game against the Pistons. He catches a lob and crams it, and then he's talking about how he still got it. Like, you didn't show that you still had it until, yeah. like, right now. So, and, and you know, I, I understand for, that. I yeah. understand that line of, like, criticism for, for Blake Griffin. I don't – what I don't foresee happening, though, is LaMarcus Aldridge, like – 
you know, defending pick and roll, getting a switch on like, you know, an all-star guard, moving his feet quickly, locking him up on the perimeter, and then like, you know, talking smack to the Spurs bench. I don't think that'll happen. No, um, I still think that, you, look, the Nets are good enough offensively where they can bomb you out of the gym. It doesn't matter. But if I'm playing the Nets, I'm just attacking Aldridge and pick and rolls all day. Like, I, I, and Nets fans might learn this, right? The, the front office might say, like, oh, maybe he's not that bad. Like, look at all the positives. He's just depth, whatever it might be. In the end, again, I always say this was like Pal Gasol, man. Like, obviously, LaMarcus is still much better than what Pal Gasol was when he fell off the cliff. But just having said that, when Pal Gasol came, when it was with the Bucks and, and, and came over to play the Spurs, the Spurs – like just crammed it down his cram hole. Like, like they just like, oh, we know how to beat this. Pew, 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 pew. And then what happened? Paul, Paul Gasol never got minutes anymore with Milwaukee after they were like, mm, you know what? He is cooked. <laughs> Paul Gasol played three games with the Bucks, and that was one of the games. Yeah. And after that one, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we get it now. Yeah. Uh, but but like like you can do that to every big man on the Nets except for Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton is great. I love him. Yeah, I think this was a bad signing for the Nets because it limits the amount of minutes that Nick Claxton is going to command moving forward. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you to, to that extent, right? I mean, be, between uh, Jordan – and this is the last I'll say – between Jordan, Aldridge, Griffin, you know, I, I, I think they're just kind of – you know, when you have that many superstars who believe they're superstars but they're not superstars anymore – I'm wondering how that dynamic's going to go, especially because you have guys also like Durant and Kyrie and Harden who are, who are superstars and are still those superstars and, and don't want to deal with your antics. So It's very like 04 Lakers vibes. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it all shakes out, you know, I'm, I, uh, because if LaMarcus really wasn't happy here which, uh, because of a reduced role, all of a sudden, he's going to be okay in a reduced role with Brooklyn. All of a sudden, yeah, well, he's be- I mean, yeah, because they're competing for a title, right? I get it, like, but like, I mean, the thing is, Lamarcus still believes that he's the guy that he's not anymore. That's, I mean, that's the facts. Lamarcus still believes he's got more in the tank than I, what he does, and that's I don't, I don't know if I don't know if that's it. I think what happened was the Spurs were like, "You're not that guy anymore," and he was like, maybe at a certain point, he was like, "Damn, you're right," like. And he, he tried, and he didn't like it here, doing the bench thing. And he's like, well, if I'm not going to be that guy anymore, I might as well be over there with them and hope I get a ring out of it, right? Hey, like, I, well. I think that's probably what happened. It's a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll buy into that for sure. I can get behind that too. Tom, I'm curious, who would score 35 points first? Uh, current day LaMarcus Aldridge or current day Steve Nash? I bet Steve Nash can still cook. Um, I honestly, though, like, I mean, it. The thing that would surprise me about Lamarcus Aldridge scoring thirty-five points would not be that he scored thirty-five points. It was. It would be that he was in the game for more than twenty minutes to do it. Mm. Like, like that's the part that that I don't believe because his offensive game is there, right? Like, I I, I wrote this in the Gorgie Jang thing. Like, he's like one of. The, former like bodybuilders turned actors that is in the Expendables movies, right? Like the part of his game that's never going away, like the one-liners after he kills somebody, that's staying in. Like you're going to get at least five of those, the, the, the whole movie, you know? 
just don't expect him to, to move a train by himself because he's not 25 anymore. Like, you know, he's, he's always going to have, like, LaMarcus Aldridge will be 90 and just cooking people at the YMCA. I fully 100% believe that because his, his game is unguardable. Uh, like, you know, if, if he can, uh, you know, especially in this pick and pop, like, you know, he, he can be a great complimentary big man offensively. Uh, and he's always going to have the footwork, uh, even if he doesn't have, like, legs above those feet that really work right anymore. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that um, I would love to see Steve Nash and LaMarcus Aldridge run pick and pop. Like, that would be a fun, like, 2K, my team thing. Like, the, those two would be really fun together. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing with LaMarcus Aldridge is, like, the mindset that he's playing with now that is probably going to extend his career a little bit uh, could have benefited him earlier in his career with the Spurs. And I think that's the thing that a lot of Spurs fans are going to think about, you know, about his tenure here. Going back to the Jang signing, I just have two more points I want to, to bring up. Uh, one, Evan, you mentioned that the Spurs kind of getting ahead of the game in the, uh, the early aughts on international scouting. Uh, Jang kind of spoke to something similar about that uh, and when his time, uh, when, in his first kind of press conference with the, the Spurs media uh, and, and just the role that R.C. Buford has played in his life. R.C. Buford is someone he's known long before he was able to speak English, you know, that R.C. Buford's role in Basketball Without Borders, getting uh, scouts to Africa, getting players from Africa into the United States to, to take part in camps and to intermingle with, with NBA players has led to players like Chuel Embiid and Gorgie Jang getting involved in the NBA. Uh, pretty cool to see kind of, kind of come full circle. And that kind of gives you the, the respect that I think Jang has for the Spurs organization. And also bringing Jang in now, doing the buyout process now, it may not be for further than this season, you know, on paper right now, but you get the chance to convince him that you're a place he could play long-term if that's what you want to do, that maybe he will fit great in the pick and pop with Derek White and DeJounte Murray. Maybe he's that complimentary guy they've been missing uh, to play alongside Pirtle or to be that next rotational guy with Pirtle, that they're the kind of the, the front court complimentary team that they have. Uh, so this is a great kind of, um, I guess, uh, opportunity, uh, interview process in, in a sense to to work it out between both Jang and the team to show that this might be a fit in the long term if that's what the Spurs want to do do you think and they gave up nothing for it exactly. like for Collins you gotta you gotta give up like pieces right yeah. for right. for a rental for a guy who can choose to just be out right Spurs gave up nothing at the deadline and you know improve their team but Evan, and, that's something the Spurs want to do, that, that Jang is the guy they're considering keeping around for three so, years. So for sure, I think that it's a tryout, right? Um, you know, you're gonna, it's not only a tryout for Jang, but it's also for him a great opportunity to play and showcase his abilities for entering free agency. Uh, but, but the other element is even beyond the player itself, it gives the Spurs sort of this idea of, hey, how does our team look with the spacer? How, you know, maybe he's not the guy that they get next year, but at least conceptually they can say, this is working. Now we can maybe invest way more into this thought than previously, right? Like, you know, maybe this, you know, they see that Jang is doing a great job and more so than Jang doing a great job, the, the spacing has helped the other players. So they might say, okay, well, you know, um, 
maybe we can now heavily invest in Collins. Maybe we can heavily invest in marketing because now we see how this works and we love it. And if it doesn't work out and things aren't opening as much as they're seeing, maybe they're like, okay, maybe this isn't the route we should commit ourselves to. Maybe, you know, maybe we can bring back Jang on cheap and go a different route and find somebody else to, you know, work into a piece here. So uh, from the player to try out and also conceptually speaking, it's, a great stretch of games to see, okay, how does this work uh, with us and our future? Yeah, Evan, I think that's like one of the more big brain things you've ever said on this show, uh, just <laughs> about it being like, you know, a, tr a trial run essentially for the idea. I, li I like that. That, that, whole, that whole concept is, is a very good one, I think, uh, for, for the team, right? Um, because like you said, there are other guys who do this job and who aren't career backups, right? Jang raises the ceiling for now. He was by far the best available at a position of need. Um, but moving forward, you play with the concept. And Pop is a concepts guy. He's an ideas guy. He's, he's a, you know, form and function guy. Mm -hmm. um, and so to, to have Jang come in, play this role... Because it's not just, you know, playing on the bench, right? If the team is, you know, really struggling spacing the floor or if Yak is in early foul trouble or late foul trouble or trouble at the foul line uh, because he's still shooting like, you know, what, under 40% from the line this year, um, you know, that makes it kind of tougher to play him late in the fourth quarter if a team decides to hack him. So you know, Jang becomes that safety valve of, oh, you're going to start hacking Yak. Here's a dude with a 7'4 wingspan who uh, not only can shoot free throws at almost a 90% clip, I think, uh, but he's like 48% from deep this year. So have fun with that. Um, and, and the Spurs didn't really have that, right? Like, you know, Trey, Trey Lyles was not getting those minutes or opportunities. I'm sure there are reasons for that. Uh, Spurs almost dealt him at the deadline, um, if we're to believe Shams, which I don't know if we are anymore, Shams. I don't know if I trust you anymore. This is like the third time that on Spurs-related matters, you've, you've led me astray, so I don't know. I, I still love you, Shams. Um, but, yeah, Shams Trani has tweeted out, like, at the deadline, the Spurs were sending Trey Lyles in a three-team deal to uh dallas i believe and then like that got deleted and then it was like lol jk two-team deal spurs not involved but he didn't say spurs not involved he just pretended he didn't tweet that <laughs> so like i deny, mean i deny <laughs> if you're if you're trey lyles at home though like watch it like i'm sure somebody texted him like hey did you see this yeah because everybody saw it um so I, I don't think Lyles is in the plan long-term for the Spurs, which uh, for me is, you know, unfortunate. I thought, I thought he was a guy who could have played that stretch for maybe defend multiple positions roles. But Jang has proven he can do that better in the league uh, to this point. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, like I said, to see um, how he fits with, with all of his new teammates here. Do we have any indication on what we're going to see him? Is he playing tomorrow night against the Kings? 
I'm not sure if he's playing before. tomorrow night. Um, in the pregame yesterday, like you know, he hasn't played in Febu- since February. Um, so there's going to be some getting him back into playing shape, uh, and also that whole chemistry thing with the Spurs that is rather important for any basketball team, but especially for the Spurs, you want to get him up to speed. But um, he should be a pretty natural fit. Um, He's the, he's the kind of guy whose game doesn't take a lot of adjustment from his teammates and who he can play with pretty much anybody um, who can handle the ball. Um, his, his job is pretty defined. And because of that, I think acclimating him will be a little easier than if, you know, it was somebody whose job was a little more complex and, you know, needed to make a lot more reads in the system. Um, he has to make less reads, more screens and, you know, shots when he's open, um, which is, you know, uh, an easier thing to get up to speed on. Yeah. Now the Spurs team is uh, one in five over the last six games, which is um, I don't think where we expected them to be uh, as they are in the midst of a record homestand. Of course, some of the opponents have been the, the best teams in the East. They played the 76ers. They, um, you know, played the Bucks during that stretch too. Um, however, you know, th- there've been a few, penciled in wins on the schedule, if you will. Um, we talked a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets last time. I, I think this Kings team, uh, no, they're surging. They're, they're on a five-game win streak coming in, you know, but that was still one that you thought was a winnable opportunity. What have you guys seen from the Spurs down this stretch that, that might be kind of a pattern that's evolving from this, from this losing streak, and, and how do they fix it? You know, I, I think for me, we need to see the other, the other Kings game, right? If the Spurs win uh, on Wednesday – I was, I'm expecting a split. The Spurs aren't a team that's going to sweep these, these doubleheaders. You know, that's why the Hornets game hurt because they should have won that game with exceptional defense and their offense was terrible. The second Clippers game hurt. They should have won that game because of exceptional defense, but their offense was worse than terrible. And then, uh, you know, last night when the Spurs score 115, they should win those games. When the Spurs score 115, they should win those games. It was an unlucky circumstance for a team to go, what, 18 of 36 from deep. Um, you know, you had the opposite end of that against the Bulls, where the Bulls just couldn't hit anything from deep. And I think, A, a trend that we're seeing, the three-point defense is suffering lately. And even in that game against the Bulls, the Bulls missed wide-open shots. It, you know, that's make-or-miss league, whatever, and the Bulls – had tons of great looks, and they missed. Um, the Kings last night, it's one of those things where I thought they got tons of, of, of great looks, and then the times where those looks were not as open, they were just feeling themselves and were still making them drop um, to the point where it was like, what are you going to do? And I get, you know, fans are frustrated because that happens a lot against San Antonio where teams just cook, and it's like, what you know, what are you supposed to do? I, I can't explain that. That's part of a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, sort of, sort of that deal. I mean, the Kings hitting 18 three-pointers is ridiculous. I don't even care if those 36 shots are wide open. They, they shouldn't go 18 to 36. Having said that, um, you know, the Spurs haven't been putting enough pressure on the three-point line where I, I think they should be. So I, I think, A, um, no practice time is accumulating. Every team has to deal with that. But I think with the Spurs, more importantly, as a young group, they, they kind of need to get recentered. And not having practice time is hurt. Two, three-point line needs to be a point of emphasis again. Um, three, uh, 
limiting teams in transition. This team is supposed to be, they are still numbers wise, all world in transition. Um, against the Kings, they got cooked. So they didn't turn the ball over a ton of times, but the, the Kings capitalized on like every time they turned the ball over. One of their, well, my light went out. Uh, so there you go. Um, so the thing is with the, the Kings is they just crunched the Spurs on points off of turnovers. And usually, uh, oh, thank you, Courtney, as we're getting the light fixed. Usually the Spurs are able to, to swim through, you know, 10 or so turnovers a game. They'll be fine. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it was just, um, that's a problem. Like they, they have to stop giving up points off turnovers and it starts with stop turning the ball over. And the San Antonio is just not a good enough team to overcome that. Uh, they're supposed to be defensive minded. They barely got any points off turnovers outside of the beginning of the season. Their transition game offensively has not been good. So, um, yeah, we're just seeing a very inconsistent group. We're just right now you're getting great defense on bad offensive nights and you're getting great offense on bad defensive nights. You're having halves where you're playing exceptionally well. You're having halves where you play exceptionally horrible. Similar theme to what we talked about last week, and we're still stuck in that minutia of just like, I don't know what we're going to get. I don't know where we're going to get quarter to quarter. I don't know where we're going to get half to half. Even the Bulls game, when you're up by a billion, they tried to give that up. It's just this team is just not locked in for a full 48. And they're not locked in for a full 24. Like, whatever it is, they're just – like, I I can't tell you just because they're playing like crap in quarter one that they're not going to just crush them in quarter two and vice versa. So it's infuriating to watch right now, honestly. And I'm sure that's what the staff is feeling. I I think you hit it where, you know – you're not going to get 48 minutes uh, on both ends of the floor from every, any team in any game, but the Spurs haven't even been close. Like it, it has been, uh, you know, real Jekyll and Hyde stuff. And, um, you know, when, when I see a bad first quarter, I'm like, Oh, cool. Because in my mind, like, you know, the Spurs are going to play one quarter per game. That's just an abomination to the game of basketball. It would make Dr. James Naismith just absolutely sick to his stomach to watch it. Uh, and if they can get that out of the way early, cool. Like, you know, the, it's because, you know, if it's got to happen, it's better to happen early. Uh, but it's better that it happens early because then you can make adjustments, right? You can, you can try to figure some stuff out. Um, so, you know, it, it presents some opportunities for this team, I guess, if you want to, you want to, uh, go glass half full. Uh, but yeah, no, they've got a lot of figuring out to do, but I think that goes back to what coach pop and all of these guys really said, um, you know, not a couple weeks ago was, you know, this is a young group with a lot of room to learn and improve. And that's why they've got so much higher ceiling than a lot of other teams that are playing at a, at a similar level, um, you know, because they, they have that opportunity to get it together. One thing you didn't mention, it was, it was a lot of team stuff, uh, which, you know, obviously team game. Um, but like when DeMar is out and the team struggles, we, we talk a lot about how the team has struggled without DeMar. Right. Uh, Lonnie Walker had career high 31 points in a loss to Milwaukee that was really close game. It was uh, 
it was the last game that the Spurs played that I was like, wow, that was a great game. Um, and in the loss to Charlotte, he played nine minutes. Uh, he was clearly dealing with that wrist injury. Uh, he hasn't played since. So functionally, the Spurs are, what, one and four uh, with him not playing or, you know, be, being limited here. So, um, you know, I, I understand that he's not like the engine for this team, but the guy was averaging 26 minutes a game. You know, he, he was really just getting to that point, not just in the season, but in his career, right? Where he's finally putting together the athletic gifts and the talent for the game with, you know, understanding it. Um, and then he goes down with, with the wrist injuries, uh, clutch points, prematurely pronounces him dead uh, via tweet. Oh, you see Lonnie? He... You see Lonnie? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby tweet that? <laughs> That was, if, he, if he didn't see it, Clutch Points put up this graphic with, like, praying hands. And they were like, you know, rest up, Lonnie. Uh, and, I and then in small print underneath, it was like, Lonnie Walker 4 will be out for a week with a wrist injury. And Lonnie responds to it and says, I almost said RIP my damn self. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was trying to <laughs> Oh, oh, all this for a wrist? I almost said RIP to my damn self. <laughs> but really, but, you know, on a, on a serious note, like this Spurs team is missing him on both ends, right? Evan, you mentioned the three-point line, an issue on both ends for this team, right? You know, on, on some nights, they, they can't stop teams from, from getting these wide-open looks. Uh, on, on other nights, they can't convert their own wide-open looks, which they've generated with frequency, right? And Lonnie Walker has been one of the better three-point shooters on this team, in, in addition to taking on some of the better defensive, like, bigger defensive matchups. Um, so, I mean, he's a key contributor on this team, and I, I think it's, uh, you know, how, I, I hope he's not out for too much longer, but if he is, at what point do more people start saying, hey, this team really misses Lonnie Walker right now? Yeah. I, I will say this, in my opinion, I don't know if causation equals correlation in that sort of deal. I mean, when Lonnie's on the court, when this team was humming, not like they were doing great during those Lonnie minutes. It, you know, they, I, I, think, I think there's something bigger with these issues than Lonnie being out. And I think to an extent, Lonnie being out doesn't help with, as you mentioned, three-point offense and three-point defense. I think that's where he does help. You know, I think a lot of other things is where – it breaks down. Having said that, um, you know, there is just, I, I, um, I don't want to put too much importance on Lonnie Walker being out. I, I just, you know, I get it. They're not playing well without him, but there are stretches where they weren't playing well with him. And I don't, I, I haven't seen any trends to where it's like, you know, like when DeMar DeRozan is out, I can point to all these numbers being like offensively, they stink. Like, Literally, there's like one or two games where they've been over like 110 points per possession, which is their average, which is continually getting decreased. But when DeMar is out, I can tell you it's going to be an offensive grind. Uh, when Lonnie's out, it, sometimes there is, sometimes it isn't. I mean, you know, the defense, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. So it's just – Well, does that speak to his overall game, though, where DeMar, you know, is an offensive player, and when Lonnie's out, you don't know where the Spurs are going to miss him most? Yeah, I, you know, 
I just don't know. Like, I, I think that um, – I just think that overall other people need to step up more consistently. Yeah. And right? Like, DeJounte had an all-world first half uh, against the Kings. One, one of the best of his career. Uh, the best, arguably, of his career. And then the best second, scoring half of his career. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, second half, the, the faucet runs out. So, it's, you know – well, and after the game, I asked him about it. I was like, was it something that the, the Kings did? What, you know, what, what happened in, in the second half? Uh, which he didn't seem too thrilled about me asking the question. He was a little bummed out after the game. Uh, but he gave an interesting answer, which was that he didn't get his number called, uh, which is a pretty transparent, uh, like, critique of the coaching, like, give me the ball more, which we don't see from – Spurs players, we rarely see from NBA players. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it, it's something that I think everybody's got to figure out. But like Keldon, too, right? We, we love Keldon here, son of the pod. Uh, but he has games and halves where, you know, he, he disappears a little bit. Um, and he's still figuring out team defense. He's still, you know, understanding where to be. Like, there, there was one transition break where – DJ's running, Derek's going to the corner, and Keldon is between them, and Keldon's like, hey, I'm here. Uh, and DJ's like, get over there. <laughs> like, you cut, then you take that guy, and I can pass to Derek, and he gets a three. And it was, it was great, like, slow motion, like, teaching, yeah. right? When you, when you looked at the clip, right, it's, you, you see him, DeJounte, literally directing traffic and, and making the right play. Uh, but that's something that, Keldon still needs to learn. Uh, Derek White still getting his legs back under him, right? He's he's hopefully getting back into the lineup for the last time this season. Yeah. Uh, because he's, this is his third. He got a tooth knocked out or chipped again, hit his dentist punch card thing, and you know he 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 was back in the game in the same quarter. Like like the he should have been a hockey player. Um, but I'm I'm very glad that he's a basketball player for this team. Um. So, you know, they, they, have, they have a good group of pieces here, um, and it's really just about putting it all together yeah. uh, for, for a full game effort. Uh, I, was pretty high, I was pretty high uh, thinking that Lonnie Hawk, I thought this was going to be a good Keldon Johnson game uh, last night. First of all, he hits the Bonner Challenge in the pregame warm-up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video of that. Second of all, Mariah's Carey, Mariah Carey's birthday was uh, the day yeah. before, you know, just yeah. – you gotta gotta play it for Mariah. Uh, I I mean I, I think it kind of speaks to what both of you guys are saying. Uh, when there's adversity, it's harder to overcome if you're young and experienced. You know, if, if a player suddenly is out of the rotation who is taking 26 minutes a game, you know that's something that younger players don't play through a lot. Uh, once you have the experience of kind of knowing that rotation shifts are going to happen, knowing that you might be without Demar Derozan for five games, and then you might be without Lonnie Walker for five games, you know that's all stuff you got to learn and being experienced in the league. And the, the younger players are kind of going through that. Whether that speaks to the value Lonnie Walker has in the court in comparison to Demar Derozan is another story. But um, I, I do think that the players miss the rotations. You know, the players. It's like when you buy a brand new pair of shoes. You're uncomfortable for for a couple of days, right? You you got you got to fill your new shoes. You got to find a new role, and, and and you can kind of feel that out for a bit. But um, I, I think there's just a little bit more of uh, being comfortable with each other, being comfortable with adversity, uh, and being comfortable with kind of uh, changing things like that. Uh, I do think, and and I man, I, one night I need to put the Pokemon down and actually do the math on this. The Spurs get burned by point guards. It's just it's a thing. The, uh, we were talking about going into the Kings game. I was telling Tom before this season, 
Darren Fox's career high was 44 against the Spurs. You know, we talk about it all the time. Ja Morant cooked the Spurs three times this season. Uh, Trey Young has had a game against the Spurs. Kyrie Irving in the past has always had games against the Spurs. It's just, I, I need to do the math. I need to sit down and actually put the stats together. But uh, I, I wouldn't say Darren Fox was cooking. It wasn't specifically the reason the Kings won. They went 18 for 36 as a team. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Fox had, a, had another good game tomorrow night. And then they got Trey Young in, the, in a couple of days here too. So I mean, uh, the thing about all those guys is they're stars, right? In their own special way. Like, like each one of those, even Buddy Heald, right? Um, like uh, people forget how highly coveted Buddy Heald was coming out of school. Like, and, and he's grown so much since then. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I see, I see a lot of like, you know, Oh, like not saying this is you Jackson, but I, I see a lot of criticism for the Spurs, you know, heralded defensive, you know, young guard players, DeJounte Murray, Derek White. Lonnie Walker to an extent. Um, and it's like, you know, well, if they're so good defensively, then why are they allowing great players to put up good numbers? Like, you know, because they're great players. That's what they do. Like, that, that's how the game works. You, you play defense, and sometimes John Moran drops 40 on your head. It happens. Like, you know. Um, and I'm I'll totally fine to concede that ballers are going to ball, you know. And if yeah. that, I can keep playing Pokemon, you know, I'm on Mount Moon right now. So uh, I got a ways to go. But yeah. <laughs> you got to remember some and, of those matchups you were dealing with Lamarcus Aldridge. And yeah. The pick and roll stuff is just yeah. that cramp. Yeah. So it might not be a pattern in general, but, you know, I'm just going to still stand on my hill and say that the Spurs get cooked by point guards. And, and one Spurs day, get I'm, cooked by point guards, and the Spurs always get cooked by somebody random. It's one of the two. There's, there's always a point guard. There's always somebody random. For every, for every Trey Young, there's a Lou Dort. Um, but yeah, yes. coming up here, guys, we've got another game against the Kings, and then they um, wrap up the homestand with the Pacers and the Cavaliers. Uh, are, are we penciling in W's for those? How do we feel about the, the rest of the stretch here? There's no penciling in with W's, but I would argue that they they got to win out the rest of the homestand. Yeah. Uh, or else they're going to have to start stealing some games, some games where – you know, uh, I would normally pencil them in as losses and be like, down the line. We're going to be like, you've got to win them. You know, again, I said, um, I said this homestand really should have been six and three. And what, they've already up to four losses now. So, like, you can't afford any more losses. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally, you're, you're living on the road after the stretch. And, and that might be a good thing. They're a better road team. I don't know why. I don't know why they stink in the AT&T Center. This used to be like their domain, and now they can't. People come in, take off their shoes, stomp on your couches, leave snicker wrappers around, and, and then they leave, you know, uh, and, and they don't care. So, you know, I think there needs uh, – I think uh, certainly after the season, there needs to be an emphasis of having pride and, and defending the home court again and, and, and giving a crap about that yeah. um, for, for better or for worse, for, you know – random teams popping off, whatever it might be, not, not, not acceptable. It's not acceptable to be this bad at home, uh, especially when you're San Antonio. So, yeah. um, and even if, if there's no crowd, right, it's your gym. Like, yeah. like there's, there's a statistical truth at like all levels of the sport where you're, you're, you shoot better on the rim that you are most used to shooting on for obvious reasons. Yeah. 
And I mean, even though they're all the same height, even though, you know, it's, it's like, you know, indistinguishable. You're used to the, the lines of sight in that gym. You're used, you're used to it. Um, so I'm excited to see this team play in front of a, a roaring crowd, a packed house at the AT&T center, you know, maybe next year. Um, but like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this team is able to, to rally, but yeah, they've got to execute with the rest of this homestand because if, if they don't, they're going to be in a bigger hole than they can afford to be in going toward a really difficult home stretch of the season. Yeah, this is the rallying point. As you said, Evan, they, they have a huge stretch of games on the road here coming up. Just, uh, what is it, seven more games at home after uh, the stand? Is that the, the number? I can't remember exactly at the top of my like head. Seven, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is it. Uh, and and making the playoffs isn't the, the most important thing to the Spurs team. They're still going to probably be that running for the uh, – the round rob not the, the the little tournament they're doing for the seven eleven spot play in. and yeah. you. Uh, man try out play in i got my sports words down uh <laughs> good here um so so i mean but this is a chance here to to kind of solidify your spot uh and and that and that uh opportunity there uh going forward for us um It'll be a little different here on the podcast as uh, we, we say goodbye to our very own Evan Klosky as he takes off for Tampa Bay. Um, to, I guess he's got to be a, uh, a Tampa Bay Raptors, Raptors guy now. Is, is, that, is that your role? At the- Big Raptors guy. It's unfortunate Tampa, to be a Raptors guy. Tampa Baines. Tampa Baines. There we go. Yeah, of course, Evan is taking over as the sports director for 10 News WTSP, our sister station in Tegna down in that area. Uh, Evan, I just want to clear the floor here, give you a chance to, 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 to spout off some Spurs knowledge. Any, any final thoughts you have here for the Silver and Black hopeful followers? Wait, yeah. no, hold on. I want to interview him. I got questions. I got questions for this guy. Break out the crystal ball, crystal ball man. Crystal ball man? <laughs> I, I, I see your prediction abilities. Mm-hmm. So you said on uh, your your final newscast here on Ken's Five, which I clipped dutifully, sadly, that you see the Spurs entering the Western Conference Finals in the next five years. Yes. All right. I, I do believe. First, that. why do you say that? Second, when the Spurs do do that, do do, uh, who's going to be their best player on the roster, and why do you think that? Uh, that's a, no, that's a great question. Um, and the answer might be unknown. Uh, you know, there, there could be another piece coming in, but reason I say that is, is because I know fans have been really worked up these past few years and I've tried to hammer this home as much as I can, but the team was just completely SOL'd, uh, when Kawhi Leonard left, they built an entire roster around Kawhi Leonard their entire future was with that man in mind and giving him the max and having him in San Antonio forever and putting his number in the rafters and that's just not the way things um shaked out and they have spent now three years trying to find a new identity they have really done such an amazing job in the draft throughout their time. Uh, I think really Lonnie Walker is maybe my biggest question mark. Not that again, I I know it seems like I'm a Lonnie Walker hater, not that I don't have full belief in him and not saying that he can't be an integral part of the future. Just saying that his development has not been to the level where 
I would prefer it to be at at this point. But he's still 22 years old, super young. And, you know, I think that he still has a, a pretty well-defined role with this team in the future, whether he hits the ceiling or not. Um, they have all of these tremendous core pieces and a lot of guys who can step up in the playoffs and defend the heck out of the ball. They do not have that gravitational pull, that, that true superstar to really take them over the hump. And I, I think someone in these next five years will emerge as that, um, you know, DeJounte, what he's done this year uh, really makes me super optimistic about what he's going to do as, as the guy. Um, Derek White, when he's not getting injured every other game, uh, it, it, like as long as that man can stay healthy, which has really been the one true knock on him, even when they signed into that contract, if he can stay healthy, he is legit. Um, Devin Vassell, we haven't even scratched the surface of what Devin Vassell is going to bring to this group. Uh, his defensive prowess is phenomenal, and um, his offensive game will blossom the more that the team gives him the keys of the car, which will happen over time. Right now, that's just not his role. Uh, I, what we've seen from Shamanich, as, as far as progression goes, from where I would have said last year, like uh, he hasn't shown me anything, to this year being like, show me a lot. I mean, ever since coming back from the bubble uh, – more so defensively speaking, mm -hmm. I, I, like we know his offensive game. You know, I, I think that Shamanich, he reminds me of when, and this is going to be super biased to me, but uh, when I was covering Gonzaga and they had Rui Hachimura, came in as a mm -hmm. freshman. Uh, he ended up playing in that, that, that year uh, where they made it to the national championship and lost, but he actually played in that game against West Virginia where, you know, the, the Zags hit like a, a – in the last minute, a three-pointer to win the game. And, uh, you know, he stepped up offensively, and you see some of these things, and you just realize that every year you're going to give him a little bit more, a little bit more responsibility. And, you know, I think that he, he could be the, 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 next, the next star for this team. Um, he, he is a unicorn. He really is. So if he can just really make it all happen, um, he does have those Giannis-like abilities so I just think when you look at this team, big picture, um, worst case scenario, they could end up like the Nuggets, where they're just a little too deep, uh, without, without Jokic, obviously. But, you know, the Nuggets, I think their one thing is they're probably a little too deep, that when you get to the playoffs, it's better to have superstars consolidated playing 35, you know, 38 minutes versus, you know, doing what you do in the regular season. But uh, they have tons of money in this offseason. I trust Brian Wright. I trust, you know, the front office to really use that wisely. Uh, whether they use it on DeMar or not, you know, I, I don't think you should commit to him long-term. I think three years is probably the, the max you would do. But um, they can just find one big. Uh, like, they can find one big to help Jakob out and really, you know, continuously kind of put their stake in the ground as far as defense goes. I said it. I said it again. They're, gonna, they're going to lead the NBA in points against – and it's going to be suffocating. When this team is on a roll, nobody is going to score on them consistently. And I think that's the move where they're, they're zigging where other teams are zagging. Teams like the Nets are bringing in star power to outscore you and not give a crap about defense. And the Spurs are going to try it the opposite way. We are going to stop your scores as much as we can 
uh, and we're going to be pretty damn good at it. And what's going to happen when we can score on you because you think defensively. So honestly, that, that second part is the biggest question mark. I don't know how they're going to score consistently, but I know that they're going to defend consistently at, the, at their peak. So that's why I think they're a Western Conference uh, finals team at least uh, because they're just – they're going to have about like seven years uh, – I shouldn't say seven. They're going to have like five to six years of continuity with this group when they hit their peak. And you can't teach that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't foresee a lot of these guys leaving the organization um, between Keldon, Luca, Lonnie, Derek, DeJounte, Vassell, whoever they're going to draft this year, Yach. You know, I, I just – I don't see those guys leaving. I, I think that, you know, they're going to ride with them. And they just need to utilize their money properly. Uh, you know, I, I think Patty will be back. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just got to say, Evan, I think I finally, I think I finally figured you out. Like, and I, I appreciate it so much more now. Like I asked you to take out the crystal ball and I had a whole bunch of other questions, but you answered all of them in that thing that I have always just thought was just you rambling. <laughs> you were reading my mind and answering the oh. questions that I was asking. We finally, and I that. finally get that. Um, so I'm, I've got I've got one quick one quick. Uh, next time you go to All American, what are you getting? This question is for the two of us only. Oh wow, uh, man! People out there don't even know All American Burger. They don't even know what they're. You don't know what it's like to get back from from Jones Beach or Tobey oh. Beach. Just get off to Seaford Oyster Bay. Go to All. I American. said quick, damn it! Drop drop ten dollars and just get the menu. Uh, but they're. Um, uh, oh, what is it? like they have like the the potato the knish. Yes. Okay. Dude, the knish, and I'm getting like three burgers and two fries for five dollars. Yeah. Shake. What what flavor shake? Uh, strawberry. Yes, that's my guy. Okay. Wow. All right. We're best friends now, and you're leaving. Uh, and one thing that is very unfortunate uh, through this whole thing is you know I've been here in Austin for most of my my time here. Uh, and none of the three of us have ever uh, gotten a, a beer together. Uh, so Evan, grab one. Uh, Jackson, you're working. I'm this is my day off. So uh, let's let's raise a toast. I saw. You, did you give Aaron a bush light? I get, so okay. The story behind the bush light. Very quickly, when the Cougs and Iowa State played in the Alamo Bowl, Iowa State uh, they burned the town out of bush lights. So I think Aaron did a story <laughs> on how the town is dry on bush lights because of Iowa State. And he gave me this can, an empty can, and he left me like some sort of note. And so I kept it. I kept it the whole time. And I, get, I gave him back the can at the end at saying, people don't forget. So uh, that well, was, yeah. It, it inspired me of, have you ever heard of a bush latte? What's a bush latte? It's, it's when uh, you need to consume beers uh, in public or where people can see you. Um, so you put them in like an opaque coffee cup uh, and uh, then you're good. I just want to remind you, so, I'm boss. So, uh, <laughs> and Jackson, to remind you, I'm doing a bit with complete plausible deniability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have to so, today, so I'm not going to open it, but I've got a Washingtonian beer here. For oh, that's, I love it. A little space dust? A little space dust, you know. Yeah, people, people also don't know about that Elysian life. They need to get on it. Evan, 
we're going to miss you terribly, even though you never shut up. Um, and I think that's the best way I can say it, man. Uh, we, we, uh, we're really going to miss you here. You've brought so much to our uh, coverage of this team that we all love so much. Uh, so um, it's, it's been one of the great pleasures of my career thus far doing this show with you. And uh, it, it won't be the same without you, buddy. Man, I, I appreciate it. Cheers to you. To echo what Tom said, too, I think you got, got into the heavy rotation with the pod uh, when my son was born and I was out for a month. And uh, you and Cameron were, were carrying the flag there for a bit. And then, uh, you know, we, we decided to keep you around a little bit after that and uh, keep you working in, into the rotation here. Uh, it's just been, uh, I think we've really hit a groove with the three of us. And uh, just you helped us kind of elevate this pod to another level. Um, you have such a knowledge and expertise into this and, and your ability to do the deep dive into the analytics brought a lot to the podcast too. We're really going to miss you and everything you did here for the podcast. So best yeah, of luck I, in Tampa Bay. I appreciate you both, man. And, and uh, you know, I've been, I've been in this industry now for, for 10 years, which is crazy. Uh, it feels like yesterday I was at Ohio state, but um, you know, this, this has been the most fun that like I've done like the, like as far as a project is concerned, like doing this stuff with you every week. And just kind of like, you know, diving into Spurs and, and watching them and owning them and uh, owning that coverage, I should say. It's just, um, you know, it's been, it's been such a pleasure. Um, and, and like when I'm gone, like I, I cannot wait to be a, a fan of, of the pod because I think what most people, you know, need to know is there are two people that talk uh, constantly without shutting up and, and, and Pod's still going to be here. So um, you're not going to like, lose any minutes. I promise you that. And uh, the beautiful thing is, and, and we've talked about it off of the podcast, but there will be more elements to the podcast as it grows. You know, this was year one. And like, I mean, just for me, I was so excited to see where this thing uh, was going and, and being a part of that growth. You know, now I get to watch it from the other end, but for people out there listening, like, thank you for listening. One, two, please continue to listen because these guys are awesome and they know what they're talking about. And I still have my clean, clean glass subscription for the rest of the year. So I'll still be utilizing it. Um, and uh, they're, they're going to continue to grow this product. You know, um, there are going to be more people uh, coming into Ken's. They're going to, you know, my, my spot's going to be filled. And, and it's, it's, this thing is going to keep on blossoming because, you know, you have, you have two guys here who are committed uh, to you, the fans. They're committed to their craft. And... Uh, you know, this was uh, just an, an amazing experience and it's part of work, but it doesn't feel like it when we jump on this thing and uh, the amount of fun we can have just kind of riffing and, and talking about things. It's, it's um, I'm, I'm going to miss that a lot and I'm going to miss you guys a lot uh, doing this weekly. So um, yeah, it's, it sucks. Like, you know, saying goodbye sucks. Uh, but uh, you know, as I tell Spurs Twitter, uh, like I, I'm not going anywhere. If you guys know me, I, I still fire off tweets about the Zags. I still mention the Zags, right? Like I just did it this podcast. So, you know, once uh, I'm loyal to a fault sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I'm all, like, I don't have an NBA team to follow there. And, um, you know, so like it's going to be it's going to be great that I can use like the Spurs sort of, a, you know, be a little bit more of a fan uh, than I am these days where I'm, I'm way more critical and, and level headed. So. You know, I'll be uh, I'll be joining you guys if uh, I'll be joining you guys on the on the Riverwalk if they can ever pull off another title, um, and and hopefully they're doing it with with Pop as a head coach and they can get that done one more time. But you know, I don't I uh, I, I do believe in this group and I believe in their future and um, that those weren't lies and I'm not trying to pander to the audience because 
you know, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't say it. So um, that's my truth, and I'm sticking to it. And that's Evan. I was way too sincere, Aaron, Evan. Uh, and Tom Smells. There you go. You have there you go. All right, there you go. That's Evan Klosky. You can give him a follow at Evan Klosky. Still worth the follow, even if just in the Spurs fandom. Uh, that's Tom Petrini joining us as well at Real Tom Petrini. You can follow the podcast at Big Fun Pod. I'm Jackson Floyd at Jackson Kins Five, and this has been the Big Fun Pod, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Kins Five, the official TV station of the Spurs. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>